Well, we're going to continue our service sermon series on uh, the theme, Defrost, Keeping the Chill Off of Your Soul. When my internet browser pops up, almost always there's a little, you're not going to believe this, little link. And it takes you to somebody's, now I don't really know how they do this. I'm going to talk like I know what I'm talking about. I don't have a clue, all right? But somebody has either filmed it on their iPhone or camcorder or something, and they've taken a picture, and then they post it on the Internet. You know, they either do the YouTube thing or they do it with your cell phone. And, man, even nowadays, even little kids have these Lego digital cameras, man. Everybody is into the paparazzi feeling. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if there was ever a time when your life is being watched and you could put, end up on a Facebook near you, man, it's the time that we live in. You know, just recently when Tom Brady and the New England Patriots lost the Super Bowl and his girlfriend something said something, you know, against the New York Giants, I don't even know what she said, but it was caught on somebody's, you know, cell phone. It's amazing how we use our cell phones every time. Well, we're going to continue our series on defrost, keeping the chill off your soul. And I don't care who you are, there's always going to be a chill on your soul when our relationship, in our relationship with Christ, when our walk doesn't match our talk. We got a lot of Christians who talk a good game. But when it comes time to showing up, to showing it, to walking the talk, all of a sudden, we become a little quiet. All of a sudden, we get a little chilly. Because it's easier to talk about loving people in Jesus' name than it is showing people God's love in Jesus' name. Talk is easy. Showing it, that's tough. And when the world looks at the church, our church or any other church, when they look at the church, there should not be a disparaging gap between what we say we believe and what we show in our lives that we believe. Our walk has to match our talk. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and your talk does not match your walk, then I'm telling you there is something fundamentally wrong with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your walk has to match your talk. Amen? The Bible says if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things, the old way of walking and talking, has passed away. All things are become new. And so when your walk doesn't match your talk, man, there's a chill over your soul that you got to deal with. Turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 5, just about six words or seven words, and we're going to look at the first part of chapter of chapter 4 and verse 5 says simply be wise keep flipping matter of fact if you got a bible that you like taking notes in this is a good message to take notes on today be wise in the way you act toward outsiders be wise in the way you act toward outsiders be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Now, let's just kind of take care of a couple of pronouns or, or, or nouns in that verse. If you look at the word you, it's talking about believers in Jesus Christ. It's talking about those who have a personal relationship with him. It's those who have been born again. If you talk about outsiders, that's an interesting word. 
Paul uses as a, as a way to say those that are outside the church. Those who are not part of the family, the local body of Christ. It, New Testament writers would extend it to include those who are just outside of a relationship with Christ, period. Originally, it means outside the pale. Isn't that a great line? It means if you're not in the bucket of the family of God. People who are outside the pale. That's what an outsider is. By the way, there's only one way to become an insider. Okay? I want you to hear me, and if you're a, a believer and you're on the inside of the bucket, you're part of the family of God, you really need to amen here so the in outsiders don't get confused. The way to go from being an outsider to an insider, well, let me tell you what doesn't work. Coming to church doesn't work. Being a good person doesn't work. Singing and all the other stuff doesn't work. What takes you from outside the pale to inside the bucket, what takes you from being outside the family of God to being inside the family of God is having a personal relationship through Jesus Christ. Period. It's not being a member of this church or any other church. I don't care what church you grew up in. That doesn't get you on the inside of the bucket. Inside the pail. Does it get you inside the family of God? It is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and having that personal relationship with him that you get to be a part of the family of God. Well, Paul in this chapter now has discussed the opportunity of an open door ministry. And now he turns his attention to our conduct, how we behave. The verb translated be wise in the way you act literally means or has frequently been identified, used to identify proper conduct or our walk. Walk has become a figure of speech in the New Testament to, to show our personal relationship or our life in Christ. And we're to show our life in Christ. Years ago, a communist writer, and this is probably about 250 years ago now, China commissioned an author to write a biography against Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a tremendous missionary to China, started China Inland mission, Missions. It is still in existence today, 250 years after his, his it, it, it's still uh, going on. And so they hired this writer to explore his life and discredit him. So this guy took the job. I don't know how much he got paid, but his job was to trash the name of this great Christian missionary. And as the author was doing his research, he was impressed by Taylor's character. He was impressed by his trusting God. He was impressed by his saintly life. And he found it extremely difficult to carry out his assignment with a clear conscience because he found out that Hudson Taylor showed up, that his walk matched his talk. Matter of fact, he was so convinced, so convinced of Hudson Taylor's lifestyle and so convicted of his own inadequacy, he never published the book. He gave his money back and ended up giving his heart and life to Jesus Christ. God not only says we've got to share it, but we've got to show it. 
Our life has got to show the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Now, I'm telling you, if you're running around saying that you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you talk like everybody else, you know, I mean, you use profanity and all that kind of stuff. You watch the porn and everything else, what other people are watching, and, and you do the things. That, and there is no differentiating mark in your life except on Sunday morning you show up at church. Something is systemically wrong in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a Sunday morning deal. God expects you to show it Monday morning. He expects you to show it Thursday afternoon. He expects you to show it when your kids have the flu. He expects you to show it when you got the flu. Show it. You know, whether we realize it or not, our example leaves an impression on others. You'll have a much easier time of getting people interested in Jesus Christ if you yourself are living the way Christ wants you to live. People want to see the gospel in your life before they hear a sermon from your lips. Before you preach a sermon, they want to see your sermon. They want to see your life. So here are two words that just comprise the message today. Show it. If you believe it, show it. Let your faith be seen, that it be put in action. You know, last week we talked about the power of prayer and the mission of church and praying for an open door and praying that, that the teachers and the pastors would have clarity as they communicate the message of God. Today I want to talk about the power of our example in the mission of the church. In verse 5, Paul deals with our actions outside the church. With our relationships outside the church, as we interact with people outside the pale, outside the bucket, outside the family of God, and we do. And because we do, we got to show it. Listen, please listen to this. There is not one standard of conduct for Sunday morning as a believer in Jesus Christ, and then something completely different when you show up to work on Monday morning. Your life ought to match what's going on when you give your heart to Jesus Christ. In other words, we should live so wisely that it makes a positive impression of the gospel on those who are outside the church. We should live our lives so that non-church members will say, if this is an example of what a Christian is all about, who isn't a hypocrite, who teaches his spouse with love, who treats his children with respect, who's kind and cordial to the folks that he works with, who helps those in time of need, then there's something about that person that I want to look closer to and see what it is that makes a difference in their life. That means we've got to show it. I think we've got to show it. By the way, I think everyone knows my feelings here, but just in case you have a uh, a King James Bible, and it uses the phrase showing respect to others. I just want to say again, as clearly as I know, how prejudice has no place in the Christian heart. Let me say it again. Prejudice has no place in the Christian heart. It is a vile sin that needs to be confessed and repented of. Jesus Christ loves everyone, regardless of sin, skin color, accent, economic status, background, family tree. He eternally loves us all. And how dare we who call ourselves 
his followers, his children, not extend that love to someone else just because they may be different than us. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we're to reach out and help those who are different than us. Show it. Show it. Will everybody want to know Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives? And the way that, by the way that we show it, probably not, but I want you to listen to this. But the goal is to live our lives in such a way that it points people to the Savior. Our response, what they do with Christ is up to them. How we, re, how we present Christ is up to us. What they do with the message is up to them. How we show it is up to us. And so this is a message that shows us, that shows up a lot in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. By the way, I, I finished it out in that, so you will not be dependent on anybody. You know what that phrase, I think, kind of means, kind of hints at? It means so that your life doesn't have to be explained away by somebody else. Look at Second Peter chapter, chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, live such good lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The walk of the Christian life is to match our talk in the Christian life. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to show it. You have to show it. And if we're going to show Christ, then we have to have wisdom. Do you see that expression? Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Wisdom provides a proper environment for the Christian walk. And the theme of, witness, of wisdom occurs over and over in Paul's writings and throughout the New Testament. But matter of fact, you, you can translate that top line in this. This is the literal kind of translation of it. In wisdom be walking. In wisdom be walking. Thus godly wisdom is to encompass our lives. And so what happens here is Paul prayed for the Colossians to know wisdom. And here... He not only prayed for them to know wisdom, but he prayed that they would live in it, that they would show it. And wisdom and intelligence are not the same thing. You can be sharp as a tack and be totally unwise and be a foolish person. I suppose you've all heard this little, little story about a minister, a boy scout, and a computer expert. They were the only passengers on this small airplane in the pilot came back in the cabin. He said the plane was going down. All the engines had failed. There's fire in the engines, and there's four guys on the plane and only three parachutes, and since he had a wife and three kids, he grabbed that parachute and jumped out. The computer science guy said he was the smartest man in the world, and the world needed a benefit from his expertise, so he grabbed one and jumped out. I left the preacher and the little boy scout. The preacher looked at the boy scout and he said, son, 
you've got so much life to live, and I've lived my life, and it's been a good life, and, and you have so much ahead of you, you take the parachute. And he says, ah, oh, Rev, don't worry about it. The smartest guy in the world didn't take the parachute. He took my backpack. <laughs> There's a difference between wisdom and intelligence. Let me give you a brief definition. Wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. Wisdom doesn't just stay up here. Wisdom fleshes out biblical truth in the reality where you live. Wisdom is not something theoretical or abstract. It is something that exists only when a person thinks and acts according to the truths of God's word, making the many choices that life demands. Wisdom. Wisdom. And now we're praying for wisdom to show God's love. Wisdom happens when right choices are made at the intersection of walk and talk. When our walk matches our talk. When we show it. You know, I think mission trips wonderfully demonstrate this and share it. In a, in a really kind of in a, an appropriate way and place. It's kind of been my, my goal to have a mission trip going out from our church once a quarter. And we're almost there. Because I think a mission trip does two things. It gives you the opportunity to share, but it also gives you an incredible way to show it. Just recently, 19 folks went to Panama and they came back sharing and showing. And I'd like to have you welcome Heather Middleton here. She's going to come and share with us just a little bit about the mission trip, about sharing and showing, and about what God does when, we, when with what we show matches what we share, and God can do incredible things. Would you welcome Heather here this morning? Thank you. Um, we were, uh, we didn't go to Panama, though. We I'm went sorry, to Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. I'm sorry. I've been there. Um, Dad, you can go ahead and put the first slide up. Um, we were given such an amazing opportunity. This is my second year that I was able to go to Costa Rica to share and to show God's love to the people of Costa Rica. They are in desperate need of, uh, of the Lord and Savior. And uh, so this is just, I put a couple uh, little PowerPoint presentation together to show you some of the, the ways that we were able to minister in Costa Rica. Um, this year, most of you were here when Matias was probably here um, just an amazing man of God. Uh, last year, we kind of, after we talked about the trip afterwards, we tried to figure out, you know, what we could do better, and we felt like evangelism um, this year could have been, you know, stepped up a notch. And so this year, we were able to take Matias with us and a couple other interpreters that also uh, spoke Spanish, and that was huge for us. So here, we had a little, um, in one of the villages, we had a setup where they would go through the medical clinic and then they would go to Matias. And as you can see here, he was using the Evangel Cube um, and sharing God's love and, and God's word to, to everybody that came through the clinic. So that was amazing. And then uh, we had Elio, who was, um, he is a missionary into these indigenous villages through Impulse, who goes twice a month to um, minister to the people in these villages. He takes whatever he can get in his car, his little beat-up car, and he drives three hours there, three hours back to minister to these people. Well, he went with us also and was able to give God's word, give a message almost at every village that we went to. And because of that, over 30 lives were saved that we know of um, through him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can go to the next one. 
Also, because of the funds that um, you were able to donate to us, um, I think we had over $2,000 that we were able to buy tile for this church in Salitre, which is one of the villages that we've been able to go to at least, I know, two, two of the past three years. Um, and you can see Mark here worked very hard for two days um, helping them with the uh, tiling the floor in this church. Um, most of the problem in these villages is not necessarily that they don't know how to do it. It's just the funds, the funds that they need to get the supplies to be able to do stuff like this. So we were able to show God's love to this church through supplying these tiles and, you know, and Mark and um, Doug's hard work. Most of you have probably heard about the village at the end of the road. This by far was one of the most challenging days for us, um, but also I think we learned so much and grew so much from this day. Um, the EOTR means just the end of the road village. I'm sure most of you have heard that we had a lot of troubles that day. Um, this is a picture of our bus. At this point, we've already been on the bus probably about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes. And we've crossed through little creeks to get to this point. And um, we come up to more like a river. And we're like, okay, how are we going to get through this? Last year we were able to get off the bus, walk across a bridge that happened to be there, and um, drive the bus through without all the extra added weight. Well, this year it was a little bit more deep, and so we had to kind of get creative. So you can see in the top picture, that's kind of where we're deciding what we're going to do. We decide to build a little bit of a... A bridge kind of to build up so the bus wouldn't bottom out when it came through and uh, we got through pretty well without much problems got up to the village um, ministered there in so many different ways um, and I think there's more pictures to show that and um, yeah this is Puentes which is I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct but it's it's kind of funny because that means bridge but there's really not any bridges to get to this place um, and only two months out of the year can people get back to this village. It is that far into nowhere. <laughs> and so um, luckily we're there during those two months where it's dry season, so we're able to get back there. Um, oh, no, go back. I'm sorry. Um, so here we were able to, you know, a lot of people, Blake did a really great job of this, of just showing God's love and just playing with these kids and loving on these kids there and playing soccer. And we had... Um, Linda, who did balloons for the kids, so we, they were just kind of the ones to love on the kids. And then in the lower right-hand corner, you can see where that was part of the medical clinic, where we took um, a physician's assistant, um, Don Clark, um, with us, and he was tremendous at what he does. He saw over 200-plus people individually. It was just amazing how he worked. So we were able to share God's love and show God's love through that way of ministering to their physical needs also. This was one of the coolest, I think, experiences that I experienced throughout the week. Um, in here, you can see in the top left-hand corner is Bill Hayes. He's the Impulse Missionaries Director. And he was speaking to a woman. Um, they were sharing the gospel with her. And so he was speaking in English to Henry, who was in the upper left-hand corner also. He is one of our Spanish interpreters that we've had for the past two years. He was speaking in Spanish to this man in the middle, who was then speaking Bribri, which is their native language, to this woman. And so through, it was really neat to see the different languages that were going to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to this woman. And they were also using the EvangelCube. And if you haven't seen that, that is an amazing um, a tool to, to witness to people. Okay. 
All right. And so there's so many other things that happen. I honestly, I could talk for, for days and days, hours and hours about the different experiences that we had. And everybody has individual stories that happened to them. Um, I did make this book, um, and many of the people on the team had bought this book also. And so if you have any more questions about or just want to learn more about, you know, the different experiences, I would encourage you to ask us. Um, in this upper left-hand or right-hand picture, um, so the day that we got stuck in the river on the way back, which I forgot to tell you, but we got stuck on the way back, and it was really, really bad. And then we ended up with a flat tire, and we ended up in the village. It was really dark and very late, <laughs> but God uh, definitely worked through that. We were able to minister to many people along that way, and I believe that each one of those events happened for a purpose. Um, we have our plans of how we expect days to go, and God says, no. That's not, what, that's not how today is going to go. This is how it's going to go. And we were able to touch lives through that day. Um, I was able to give my shoes to a woman um, who, I, honestly, as I was putting the shoes on her feet, I don't think she's ever had a pair of shoes in her life. And um, she was so grateful. She was so concerned about me because I was just wearing socks. And um, she was just very gracious. And, you know, I don't really think they fit her all that well, but she just didn't care. It was a pair of shoes to put on her feet. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who supported us through medications, dental, hygiene, I mean everything, clothes, shoes. We were able to give out so much stuff and just to show and, uh, God's love to these people in Costa Rica. So I say thank you. You know, I'm glad that she shared the, the shoe story because it was one of the most Everybody who's told me that story about Heather giving her shoes just, I mean, says it with tears in their eyes. And what was so natural for her to show the love of Jesus. But I want you to know Heather doesn't just go to Costa Rica and show the love of Jesus. She does that here. She does that in her neighborhood. She does that with the friends of her children. It's who she is. So you just can't put on the show. It comes from who you are. It comes from that relationship with Jesus Christ. My challenge to you today is that you show it. Is that you show it. Wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. It is not something theoretical. It's not something abstract. It is something that exists only when, only when a person thinks and acts according to the truth of God's word, making many choices that affect their lives so that others can see Jesus Christ living in our heart. Jesus said it this way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but glorify our Father which is in heaven.